What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sons of Legends. It's your boy Art Dog here with your homeboy MJ Gunner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's happening? Another week, another treat. We got our boy, the fam, Reverend of Real Shit, the man with the master plan, <laughs> my guy, Sam Spade. What's cracking, bro? What up, dog? What's good, Brody? All the time, all the time. We're going to start off the show. Before we get into anything, can we just uh, give a shout out to uh, one Randy Orton? Okay, if you let me start off the show with it. Oh, you going to start off the show with that? I was going to start off the show telling them what we got on the show today. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. We want, we want to start off the show acknowledging Randy Orton for being in the business for 20 years because that's a rare, rare occurrence. And when you think about it for real, even some of the greatest wrestlers weren't there for 20 years. I would say, even if he was in the business for 20 years, it's rare you stay in the same spot for 20 years. So definitely big ups to Randy Orton, one of the best to do it in WWE. Definitely. Hometown boy. Hometown, baby. St. Louis stand up. We also, uh, we're going to talk about Raw. We're going to talk about SmackDown. I don't know if Gunner's uh, up to talking about NXT 2.0. And we're definitely, we're definitely going to talk about uh, Rebellion, which happened over the weekend. And we'll be, and if we have time, we'll spare in some AEW. But we got to make time for Sam Spade's real shit segment. Because I'm sure my guy has some things to get off his chest. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> we all have a lot of things to get off our chest. So I should start my own real shit segment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, we're going to start off on Raw. Congratulations to Randy for being here for 20 years. I say the message that Triple H and John Cena and others mm-hmm. have sent him. That is an amazing thing to do, to be in for 20 years. And uh, I think he's still got 20 more in him if he wants. He probably could. You know, Randy's, uh, he plays it pretty safe. And there, you know, it doesn't look like he does a lot of things that hurt himself other than uh, the RKO, though. I hear, uh, uh, see, Gunner, you don't understand. When you get the age of me and guys like Randy Orton, regular things start to hurt you. Yeah. And he's been doing that move for 15, 16 years now. So it's got to take a toll on him. Well, now he's got Riddle to do it. Yeah. No need. Not to mention that he's done the 20 years with one company. Yep. Yeah. Never never changed out. I mean, he's been in trouble more times than almost anybody and still kept his top spot. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, young Randy, you know, they say he had a lot to learn about uh, being mature in the business and everything else. But he got there. He got there. But, uh... Let's jump into Raw and talk about some of the things going on. Speaking of Randy, let's talk about this tag team title unification. This is one of the things at WWE that I am extremely looking forward to. They're building this thing with... They, they just got me so excited about this with the Usos and RK Bro. And one thing that uh, kind of uh, intrigues me is the possible involvement of the Street Profits. Cause they've been in the, cause they've been in the, their face too, and what another thing that I really like about it is it's organic. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just gonna get put in there because they need uh, a team for Raw, and a team for SmackDown. You know, to be in there to make it a four way. 
you know, they really wove the Street Profits into the storyline. You know, By they, having them beat uh, RK Bro. Last week. You know what I'm saying? And, and they faced the Usos the week before that. So, yeah, this is... This is getting up there when it comes to storyline storytelling mm-hmm. in the WWE. I mean, when the WWE does do it good, they do it really good. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, when they miss, they completely, <laughs> completely miss. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to... Yeah. I'm looking forward to actually seeing who the company's going to run with. Because I always say, when it comes down to it, whoever they put the title on, they have faith in actually being the face of the company. So when it comes to the tag team division, these are three viable teams that, honestly, any of them could be the forefront of the company. It it has to be the Usos. They literally have been building the Usos for years now. They're one of two tag teams in WWE that always, always, always end up near the top of the card. They're like tag team poster boys at WWE. It has to be the Usos, in my opinion. It doesn't have to be. The, the way that they've been pushing them all these years, if it's not the Usos, it's the New Day. And since the New Day's not in this match, it's got to be the Usos. RK Bro has been the face of Raw for a minute now. That's true. You know what I'm saying? You cannot deny that they are as popular as anybody I'm in the company. I'm not denying that they aren't. And you can't just write them off as it has to be the Usos. I, don't I can't think and I just did. I don't think that that's the case. I think either the Street Profits, the Usos, or RK Bro could pull this off. And when it comes down to it, man, it's, it's all about ticket sales and merchandise and things like that. Who's going to make them the most money? And I think RK Bro can make some some ch- cheddar cheese, baby. Not more than uh, uh, All I'm saying about the RK Bro t-shirt that's floating around now, they better give RBD his damn royalty. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they have to. I mean, there's been enough potheads in the game. Assessment, how do you uh, feel about this batch? Well, uh, let, me, let me address that, the, the t-shirt thing first. Uh, RBV did that exact quote first. 420 says, I just smoked your ass. That was his thing in ECW. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, get that man his money. Now, as far as the match goes, I actually want the street profits to win. I actually want RK Bro to win. That would be interesting to see the Street Profits win, especially since they come out there, especially since they'd be out there and they're the only ones that don't have titles going in. I want to see the Street Profits win. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, this would be a good accomplishment for them and a good like milestone kind of thing. But then after that, where are they going to go after that? Man, I think you. I think Roman pulls in another person to the bloodline, and he goes after the women's titles. Now, this will be interesting if he somehow convinced Sasha and Naomi to come to the bloodline. That would be interesting. Now, see, the only way it worked is if Naomi turns on Sasha. That's the only way it would work with Naomi is they have to make her realize that she's a part of this family and no outsiders are a part of this bloodline. They have to make her turn on Sasha. What about Paul Heyman? 
What do you mean? Paul Heyman's been with the family since the dad. But I'm just saying, though, you know, you say outsiders is in, they got to carry the blood. No. Or at least in that by marriage. Yeah, I'm saying, but they're in, she, Sasha Banks has no affiliation with the bloodline. Her favorite wrestler is not The Rock, it's Eddie Guerrero. You know what I'm saying? They have to make Sasha. They have to make Naomi realize that she's a part of the family, not Sasha. Because of course she's gonna want to bring Sasha with her, and Roman's gonna tell her differently, like he does with the Usos. I don't know about that. I really can't see Naomi as a heel. The the. I don't think anybody's ever given her a chance to be a heel except when she first did the I'm Amazing thing. That was the first taste of heel we got with her was Team Bad. Right. And they took her ass and put her put her in the face roll real quick. But I I I think you just have to give her a shot. And the only other person that it'll work with who I personally think they should do is Tamina, because she's been long overdue for a run, period. And technically, Tamina is, is blood. bloodline, bloodline. You know, she's not married into the family. So, if I were going to do a woman, I'd go with Tamina. Easy for her to turn on everybody. Lay out every 24-7 person there is and realize who you are. All right, I, I see that. I could, I could definitely get with that. Now, that would work. And that would be a possibility. But I personally think that RK Bro might pull this thing off. I mean, it's possible. I only said the Usos because the Usos have been the forefront of the tag team division for years now. You know, since the, the they started putting the focus back on tag team wrestling in WWE, I think they the were Usos the reason. Have been the in the top spot. Yeah, the and Usos and the New Day were the reason. Tag I team wrestling. I definitely don't think that that should change. Well, it, it, it's a it's a thing. All right, so. Uh, speaking of Tamina and the 24-7 thing, did you find the wedding hilarious? Because I did. You found it lackluster, right? I, I thought it was all right. You know, Truth got his funny moments in there, here and there. You know, just... It wasn't my favorite 24-7 uh, segment. segment. You know, with uh, Tamina... Oh, uh, when it says when it says uh, does anybody says, object? Does anybody object? You know, to me, the switching partners and everything. I I didn't really get that part to be honest with you. You know, why is why is she switching everybody around and then eventually just gets back? I with think the, I think anyway. Yeah, I think that was the whole thing was just so they could do the lesbian thing, so Truth could say this ain't PG. <laughs> I get that. It's just I, it's not my favorite twenty four seven segment. It was funny. Let's just acknowledge the fact that R-Truth is a national treasure, first and foremost. That was my point. I think R-Truth carried that whole segment. But even this wasn't one of his most funny segments. From him calling Dana Brooks with the S and her having to correct him all the way down to him yelling at the crowd, y'all making me look bad. Our truth is gold, bro. That man could do this forever if he wanted to. I love our truth, man. And he is one of those one people that doesn't have to necessarily even have a belt. All he has to do is pop up anywhere. I mean, all they could do is let him be his funny, entertaining self. And it's work every time. But they'll never take him, like, title seriously. I mean, that's okay, though. To be honest with you, I feel like Truth does have a legacy. 
You know, because it is extremely hard to be a lovable baby face in today's day and age. And Truth is one of them golden ones. You know, it doesn't exactly have to be a 14-time world heavyweight champion, you know, be a success here. It'd be nice, though. It would be, it'd be. Of course, it'd be nice. It'd be nice for anybody, you know, especially somebody so talented. It's just, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't look good on Ted DiBiase Jr., but, <laughs> but it looked good on our truth for his resume. He is a multiple time champion. Though. You say he's what? I believe he deserves a title run before he retired. Even if it's like for like two weeks or something. I, I don't know. I don't know if it'll. I don't know if it'll ever get to. It. It'll be. It'll be a trans. I think he deserves one of those transitional title runs like the Miz had. Like he wins it off of some type of fluke, where the one time he runs down for money in the bank, it's actually money in the bank or <laughs> something, something like that. I mean, truth be told, though, if it's just going to be a transitional title reign, like, well, like, what's the point? I don't really see the point of, you know, doing that if it's just, just going to be... Just for his legacy, because everybody's still gloating on the fact that The Miz is a two-time Grand Slam champion. And that that title reign was transitional as it gets. Okay, the last one was. Definitely. But, but his other ones were transitional. But it's just the point, you know, that he got it. He got it. They can't take it away from him. Kane had a one-day title reign. And people don't I mean, really like to talk about that being one of one of uh one of the best reigns and everything. But they always say, but he was champion. From that day forward, he was known as the former world heavyweight champion. I don't remember people ever calling him that. Jim Ross reminded you of that every week. He did not! I listened to JR commentary. He did not go on and on about how Kane's a former world champion. He kind of did, but... When? Uh, I'm not doing your research for you. I'm telling you. <laughs> Thank you, Sam Spade. Jesus. This guy doesn't well, want nobody to have nothing. The Grinch that stole championships. That's you. That's you. Y'all talk about how Jim Ross reminds you about it all the time. I don't remember that. He did all the time. We lived through it. You didn't. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> Can we move on? Because certain subjects just takes mats elsewhere. And giving people that don't deserve championships a championship is one of them. So let's talk about... So, championship so, so let's talk about... Liv and Rhea. They had the championship match this week uh, for the tag t- women's tag titles with Sasha Banks and Naomi mm-hmm. against Liv and Rhea Ripley. Finally, even though they promoted it two weeks ago, I want to say. Yeah, Rhea Ripley was out for some reason. And they uh, they did a bunch of 50-50 booking. Uh, everybody beat everybody in a singles match. Except Sasha, she didn't get a win. Of course not. And then she gets the win in the tag match, though. So they completed the round 50-50 booking <laughs> with Sasha getting the pinfall in the championship match. And Rhea get, is the one that gets pinned. And she yells at Liv Morgan saying, you weren't there when I needed you. And she turns on her. 
I'm not really a big fan of this heel turn. Like, well, why are you mad at her for? You're the one that lost the match. I, I don't get this. You know, I don't understand how, you know, Rhea Ripley's the one that gets to go off the edge here and she's the one that uh, that lost the match. I don't think I can ever remember seeing that before. You know, it it, it would make sense if Liv no-showed her. And it showed up at the end of the match. You know, I got caught in traffic, this, that, and the third. What? <laughs> I was, I'm, what I'm late. ever happened? I'm just saying, though. It would make sense. You know, if, if Rhea had a handicap match, then she could yell at Liv, you weren't there for me. Where were you? Literally, I by myself. the only person that's ever been caught in traffic is Eva Marie. Literally. I'm just saying. It doesn't have to be caught in traffic. It could be something else. You know, it's just... For some reason, she's not here. And it didn't make sense for, you know, Rhea to get all upset with her and talk about why she wasn't there for her. But that's not the case. That is hilarious that he said that. That he said, caught in traffic. <laughs> that is the funniest thing ever. Well, but make up another excuse for it then. No, it, it, the thing was, like, the reason she's saying that is because every time, like, my thing is, Rhea wasn't there for Liv. That's what I'm saying. Yo, where, where you been? Yeah, I didn't like that, the fact that they turned her heel because she lost the match. I didn't like that. Yeah. I don't know. But that's the WWE for me. She wasn't there for her the past couple weeks. She went at it alone against mm. Sasha. She went at it alone against Naomi. And then she's there for 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 Rhea when Rhea goes at it with Naomi on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And then just because she's pinned, you're folded up. I got to come save you even though I'm hurt. Yeah. We, have to get, we have to get Teddy the champ on here so he can tell us why this makes sense. <laughs> what, he he's, loves the biggest, it. he's the biggest Rhea Ripley fan that I know of. You know, He'd probably be defending this right now. They needed a reason, it just wasn't a good one. And so how do y'all think how do they how do you think they weave her in with Edge's group? Truth be told, I hope that they don't, to be honest with you. Really? I would rather see Rhea Ripley, you know, on her own as a solo heel, you know, let's get her some momentum then if that's what they want to do. You know, let's get her you know, up towards the top of the card. I can see her going out to Bianca Belair if they if they uh, start pushing her the right way. If they start getting the, the, the machine behind her. I can see her going after and eventually dethroning Bianca Belair. You know, uh-huh. heel Rhea Ripley could be a pretty dangerous uh, sight in the uh, women's division. Sam? Tommaso Champa. Who? Tommaso Champa. Oh, okay, yeah. And the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, that's World Wrestling Edition. Okay. Let's fucking do it. They're going to do it right. Let's fucking do it. But again, that's assuming they do it right, which we all know they probably won't. So there's that. I think it could work. I think that. All she needs is a change in attire and attitude. 
That's it. Her attire's getting stale anyway. I I just I don't know what what you put her in standing next to them. Do you put her in a tuxedo too? If she's gonna change the attire and everything, then, then why would she need to change her attire? If she's gonna be with Edge and Damian Priest. Because pretty grunge as you can see, no, they're they're Edge, sharp. Edge wears a suit. Priest doesn't really really. Yeah, he suit, does. Does he? Standing next to him in a chair. Have you? What have you been watching? I watched it. I'm sorry, I didn't really pay attention to Damian Priest's wardrobe. Oh my god, dude. They are dressed to the nines. They have been on all the promos that they've done, even when they popped up on AJ Styles in the back. Now the lights going out thing, like him starting to get supernatural. I don't I don't know. I just don't know about that. Man, I, I mean We need a supernatural character. But of course they ruined it with Bray Wyatt. But I just don't know about Edge being the one, you know, the lights cut out and you know he's doing super I, I it's 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 starting to make more sense the promos that he cuts. With every more promo that he cuts, it makes more sense with the judgment and the mountain and the omnipotence and all that stuff. Like it, it's starting to make more sense. It's just I didn't think that he'd be the one, you know, doing supernatural things. I could definitely get behind this though because I'm. But he's what bringing up, you know, he's saying the seeds were planted from the brood. It just took me a while to drop you guys and you know realize what they gave me. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense when you think when when you think about the lights going out with the brood and the blood baths and all of that stuff. I mean, yeah, but with the whole, you know, eyes changing, he's becoming like vampirish and all that shit. I mean, it's a good visual, but it didn't make sense at all. Like, when people in the crowd are like, what, "What the fuck is really going on?" Yeah, that didn't make sense at all. I didn't like that at all. But either way, uh, let's keep going. Uh, United States title change: Austin Theory beats Finn Balor clean as it gets. For the United States title win. Vince McMahon comes out, takes a selfie with him, all that stuff. Do you think the United States title has a chance now? I hope so. Because I hear that they're pretty high on Austin Theory. And personally, I think that's what they should be doing with these with these mid-card titles. Putting them on people that, they, that they're planning on pushing. So not only does the mid-card title do something for him, he does something for the title. And let's start to get the title back up there, you know, up towards the top. And let's uh, have it do the same thing for Austin Theory. Yeah, I feel like this. Ten dollar AEW, but in about a year. If not, well, earlier than that. I don't want him to go to AEW. I am I am done with AEW ruining people. Everybody keeps screaming, go to AEW. I don't I don't want that to happen. I said this a thousand times on this show. The roster is too bloated. That's what it is. 
I mean, thanks to everybody screaming AEW to every wrestler that's released or or of uh, future endeavored or any of that stuff or asked for their release. Every thanks to that, we've got people like Keith Lee and Swerve on a tag team. Doesn't really make sense. To We've me. got Jay Lethal losing to Ricky Starks, and he's in a in a faction with Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh. Yeah, yeah. When I saw when I first saw Jay Lethal make that jump, I was like, "Oh shit!" And I, then lost his first match against uh, Ricky Starks. Yep. And now he. Oh my god. That's what I keep telling you guys. I keep telling y'all that there is not enough. Here's the thing. AEW is going to back AEW. The people that's been there from the jump are all of their champions right now. For everybody that's always saying they only push people that come from WWE, every one of their champions is homegrown. Adam Page, Jurassic Express, Jade Cargill, Thunder Rosa's not homegrown. But Thunder Rosa just won that title after two years of fighting for it. Okay. Their champions were Sheeta, Britt Baker, Rio, Nyla Rose, homegrown. Right. Everybody that comes over there doesn't get the John Moxley treatment. They needed those people to get off the ground. They needed the Chris Jericho's and John Moxley's to get it off the ground. The Cody Rhodes to get these belts and stuff off the ground. Now that they're off the ground, WWE people's not getting them. That's All right. Y'all keep yelling that noise if y'all want to. I don't want to see it. I don't want not another person to go to AEW. Unless it makes sense. It has to make sense. And everybody jumping over there. I don't I didn't see Keith Lee being over there being a good thing. I didn't see Jay Le- uh Jay Lethal. I definitely didn't see Jay Lethal being a good thing. And the thing of it is is we always get excited about the people when they get there and then weeks later. The, the, the excitement's died down. It no. happens every single time. No. It happened with Keith Lee. It no. happened with Jay Lethal. It happened with... Bro. All of them. It's not much. about that. Here's the thing. We're excited to see him. AEW's not excited to do anything with him. And then the excitement dies down. It's not the excitement because the next week, he's introducing somebody else. He's got another big announcement. Every week. Every Weak, bro. Tony Khan's got a big announcement next week. I try to stay out of this kind of stuff because I, I don't really like AEW that much. I like the product. I, I really try to do. like the product, but but it's hard. I don't really like it that much. I the reason you don't like it is because the fans make it seem like it it's shitting on WWE so hard and shitting on every wrestling company so hard. And it's, and it's the not. best thing smoking. And it's not. It's still a baby company. Oh, man. I can't wait to talk about this. Anyway, all right. Let's keep moving. So Y'all didn't give y'all opinions on theory yet. I personally, me, I like theory. I, I think that they're 
trying to Randy Orton them. Theory's like what, 24, 23? Mm-hmm. Like 24. Yeah, they're put they're putting a lot on him right now. I mean, for him and if Finn Balor does leave, I want him to go somewhere where he'll be needed, respected. MLW's there. We need some players at Impact. Because Impact's got a great product and nobody's watching because the names that are there, I guess they aren't... Well, people are watching. Impact gets a bad rep, but I'll yeah. get more into that later. All right. So, I like Theory, though. I just don't like McMahon coming out every week for him. Yeah, you know, kind of over pushes the, the boss is really on his side and everything. Like, yeah. we know this. So. It could be worse. Yeah, it could be. It definitely could be worse because yeah. Theory's uh, actually dope person. He's yeah. he's a dope man. This dude talent is off the charts. That stunner he sold the F five off the like he's proven that he's yeah. got it. Yeah, he's hella true. dope. But yeah, but here's the thing. I think that's what they're banking on. When people think the machines behind you, they hate you. Mm-hmm. And now they're outright saying the machines behind them. What were you saying, Sam Spade? Real quick, what do y'all think about the Usos using the Dudley Dead Drop as a finisher now? Uh, I like it. Not the biggest fan of that. I think that the 3D's kind of Sacred. iconic, iconic with the Dudley Boys, and I don't think it'll work with anybody else. But that's just me. I, think- I like the double splash, anyways. No, I think they needed something. I de- I think they needed to change it up because the problem with the double splash is it does take a toll after doing it night after night after night after night. Them knees, they legs have been fucked up. They both have suffered a lot of injuries and they needed to change it up. And if they do want to go heel, heel as the heel Usos, you take an iconic finisher and you use it. That's what KO did with the stunner. He took an iconic finisher and started using it. You'll get used to it over time watching him do it. And I mean, the m- doing the bottom, so. Yeah, and the more that they do it, the better they're going to get at doing it. But the thing of it is, is the rock bottom is a Yorinagi. People have used a Yorinagi before. The Stone Cold Stunner is a stunner. People use the stunner. Like, a lot of people use the stunner. Not a lot of people are using the 3D. Exactly. And that's that's good. That's good. Not to me, anyways. I guess I, I, I mean, gotta get used to seeing somebody else use it. We, we used to say the same thing about the um, Doomsday device, but can't say that no more. Yeah, because a lot of people use it. I mean, I think this is gonna make the 3D more iconic because who's kicked out of it since they've been using it? Yeah, but that's that's different, bro. They were on the scene coming up with some new stuff. The Usos really were the first ones to do the double splash like that. It takes a you have to change up, man. You can't do that stuff for all them years. That's why Ricochet doesn't do the six thirty anymore. You can't keep doing that every night. I'm willing to bet if he was AEW, he'd be doing 6.30 every week. But that's I, my thing. Bro, 
it's going to take a toll on your body. You can't do that. I mean, if it's an AEW, fine, because he's on a wrestle once a week. If Ricochet was in AEW, he'd be on Dark in no time. <laughs> I'm telling you, AEW is not all it's cracked up to be. Everybody keeps wanting to scream AEW. Do you realize that they have an Olympian over there? Uh-huh. It was super exciting when he came. Nobody talks about a go-go now. Anthony Agogo has been over there for a year and some change. Nobody said anything. That's they, what I was trying to say earlier. You know, they build up the hype, and then the hype dies down when they bring in a new toy. It happens every Every time. week, though. They bring in a new toy Every week. The way he reacted when Samoa Joe showed up. Oh, jeez. Exemplifies what AEW is about. That picture of him pointing at Samoa Joe like, it's Samoa Joe. We know you brought him in. Like, you had the interview with him, and now you're acting like a kid behind him. And then the next week, Samoa Joe signed the, he's put in Ring of Honor. He's not even going to be on their show like that. He signed with AEW. But he won the Ring of Honor title just so they can downplay Ring of Honor. Only for him to go to AEW and not win over there. Has Joe lost yet over there in AEW? I don't think he has, but it, it's not going to be long. Probably not. It's not going to be long until they feed him to somebody like Powerhouse Hobbs. Because he did get jumped over there and left lane. Right. Yeah, let's not talk about that one. Well, he got jumped. He got left lane by Satnam Singh and Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt. Personally, I'm hoping that always gets his own show. And they do their thing, and AEW does their thing, and, you know, they don't really cross brands, as they say, very much. Okay, so, Charlotte and Ronda, do you hate it? I'm not the biggest fan. And I'm pretty Sam, sure you already knew that. Sam, you hate it? Now, I'll say this. I'll say, you. both of you guys know that I love both of these women. These two are the best women wrestler and MMA fighter to me, damn near of all time. Now, this feud should have ended at WrestleMania. That was the perfect way to cap it off. They had, they feuded since the Royal Rumble. You know, it's been, you know, here, you know, hot here, cold there. You know, they had a lackluster match at Mania because there was a lot of miscommunication. But Charlotte winning was the surprise. Mm -hmm. That was the payoff. For them to keep it going, I don't think that it's going to be... I don't know what's going to happen. But I hope Charlotte pulls a rock mankind on her. Truth be told, uh, I don't see... Them letting Ronda Rousey say I quit. Unless That's, that happens, unless the Rock Mankind thing happens. 
But I want to talk about the the segment that was uh that happened this week because Charlotte Flair is usually very good on the microphone, mm-hmm. and this week it just it wasn't clicking with me. You know, every five seconds I beat you at WrestleMania. I beat you at WrestleMania. I beat you at WrestleMania. Hey, Art, did you know she beat her at WrestleMania? Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was repetitive, and it was. I just didn't really like it this week. She sounded like a five-year-old. Pretty much. And that's not what the queen does. Well, The well, queen belittles people and tells them how much better than them she is and all that. She doesn't act like a child towards Ronda Rousey. This feud is just not working for me anyway. But if you notice, the more and more privilege they give her, the more childish she gets in the ring. She started doing things like the fight with Nia Jax, the throwing of the belt with Becky, the, you know, cutting people off, going off the script. Sonya wanted to fight her. It's starting to get bad, bad. So maybe Ronda's her punishment. Is the, are they punishing her or are they punishing us? That's my question. Because <laughs> right now I kind of feel like they're punishing us well, by, having, by having us watch this I don't know I'm high on Charlotte I'm high on Rhonda So I look forward to it I don't see this being very really good But I don't I mean it was the same way it was With the Rhea Ripley thing Like their feud was not good leading up But then that match was awesome The thing of it is you know, the feud isn't very good leading up. No matter how great the match is, people aren't going to care. You I don't know. You can't you keep said, their entrance. You, you said the same thing about the Charlotte Rhea thing. And but, it's true. But during that match, man, people were invested. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe. Maybe the people boo the segments. And then when it's match time, they're like, oh, this is amazing. But personally, I don't think that it should work like that. You know, if you're not invested, if you can't keep people's attention during the storyline and during your segments, then nine times out of ten, the matches aren't going to be that interesting either because people just won't care. You know, the point of the segments and the storylines is to get people excited about the matches. And if people, if you lose people during the segments, People aren't really going to care about the matches. Spade? I mean, the build, I mean, I've seen matches that had zero build-up. It turned out to be five-star classics, and I've seen matches that had great build-up turn out to be duds, so it's a little bit of both. But, uh... All right, so speaking of matches with no build-up, they dropped the match. They dropped the storyline with Roman and Shinsuke. They did just a spot, and then start doing segments with Drew and Roman behind the scenes. I this one really does get my goat because I remember saying this when Drew got drafted to SmackDown that they should run with him and. If they kept his momentum high, I could believe him taking the title off Roman. They didn't keep his momentum high. At, at this point, 
of where Drew McIntyre is on the SmackDown radar, I wouldn't even see this match being competitive. You know, and this this storyline with Sami Zayn running away from him every week, it's not really helping that. Uh, Granted, you know, it does make him look like some kind of big, scary guy because Sammy keeps running from him. But I, I just... This is not for me. Not not for me. Not right now. Not, not what they're doing with McIntyre and the fuse that he's having. And then they just want to shove him into this thing with Roman like they didn't just spend six months cooling out his fire. If they are, if they even are putting him into this thing with Roman. Yeah, so after SmackDown went off the air, they filmed Drew McIntyre coming out to Roman Reigns, having a face-to-face. Then they start punching each other, doing the yay-boo punches. Mm-hmm. And then they stopped filming that. And they have, it's supposed to be for SmackDown for next week. Oh. Which is a week away from back backlash. WrestleMania backlash. I highly doubt Roman Reigns vessels on this card. You know he hasn't, uh, other than the punches that uh, apparently he hasn't seen action since WrestleMania. You know we don't know how bad his his arm is. Yeah. And I, I doubt he's wrestling on this card. But to they be say, but they reports say that he is. Oh. So we'll just. Well, if that's the case, then. Oh, I wish they would have just built up Drew McIntyre back to what he used to be. Man, this irritates me because I've said it a million times here. How they push somebody to the moon and they got them in such a great spot. And then they just stop. And then we're supposed to just, you know, remember what it was and not what it is now. Uh, it's tough, man, because... It doesn't look like anybody could take the title off of Roman at this point. They're not effectively building anyone. That's what it is. Like, they put out all their eggs in Roman's basket, and now there's no eggs for anybody else. Exactly. Sensei, what do you think about this? Uh, Like I said, no. They have not built anybody up. And at this point, the only person that I can see beating him in the future, like, not even in the next year or so, but in the future... I say the only person they're really effectively building is Austin Theory. Yeah. Effectively. That is true. I, I, can't, I can't see him being I'm being all I can't see that. I can't see that right now. Not right but now, but I'm saying. The machine behind if, him, you're saying if you're saying in the next year, then Austin Theory coming out with Vince McMahon having the whole Hill locker room like mm-hmm. hold him up after he won the U.S. title and all this at, adulation that he's getting. That was Seth Rollins, like at that you know six seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was Seth Rollins. Yeah, that's definitely true. And like I said, if they keep this up with Austin Theory, I think they could have a superstar. They could have. Yeah. They just got to build it slowly, though. That's the thing. Rollins was kind of a slow build. Exactly. He didn't just turn into Seth freaking Rollins overnight or anything. And that's what I'm saying. But he's saying within the next year. I don't even think it's a year. 
You know, it would take time, time no. to really no, build I'm, him no. to. I'm not saying. I'm not saying within the next year. I'm saying within the next year. I don't think no one wants to be him. Right. Yeah, that's but what I'm, I'm saying. Saying. I'm saying. I don't think nobody, saying, but they have to keep Austin away from him, yeah. build him on Raw into like you know a viable contender. Have him some lackeys or something behind him that wants to get the favor of McMahon. You know, it's a slow build. By the it's time, gonna take months. By the time Austin's ready, I highly doubt Roman Reigns will still have that title. I think he. I probably. mean, years, years. Like this is this should be like what they did with Rollins. This was a this is a years product. Rollins you know? was in the Shield for a year and a half or so. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The, the moment he broke away from the shield, he started getting the build from the money in the bank to the viable wins to the cash in to all that. That was a year. And then he wins the title of WrestleMania, and people still and, were looking at him like he didn't belong there. Exactly. And he had the authority behind him to keep the. If Rollins wouldn't have got hurt with that knee injury. He could have been what they're building Austin Theory to be. That's all I'm saying. Right. I think we're gonna have to take another segment and talk about uh, Impact, and we'll you know keep it going or whatever. But I'm just saying, uh, with Austin Theory, I think they could build him into it, especially if he ends up winning Money in the Bank. Yeah, I feel you. That's the that's the telltale. Right. Either way. Either way, uh, I think that it's hot and cold when it comes to WWE and the things that they're doing. And I want to give Sam Spade the time out to give him his segment. So we going to skirt, turn it, turn it up, turn right into the real shit segment. And we going to church with the reverend of real shit, my guy Sam Spade. The floor is yours, my guy. Say, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, all jokes aside, though, I want to touch on something that's becoming, uh, increasingly becoming a very volatile problem in the world of professional wrestling. That being these idiotic, doofus faced, stupid shit ass fans. Oh my god. Can I get another fuck it? Fuck it. Yeah. Um, this was brought in one of my wrestling groups, and I said that this shit is actually starting to come all across more like the East Coast versus West Coast thing. See, they wanted to be like how WWF and WCW was. That's what they're trying to get it to do. But back then, you didn't have people saying, oh, WCW is trash, WWF is trash, and oh, you just watch what you watch. It was either DX or NWO. Or Hogan or Rock or Austin and Steam, you know, that type of shit. Back then, people <laughs> literally wore their fandom on their sleeves. Yeah, but you didn't go, but you didn't see motherfuckers at the playground talking about, oh man, yes, uh, you nope. know. Nice shirt. Did you see Bash at the Beach? Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Now, to be fair, social media, social media wasn't a thing back then either. 
We were we or were what they call tape traders. Probably the biggest thing social media wasn't a, wasn't a thing back then. Tape traders. We used to trade VHSs. You got bash at the beach. I got sold out. Let's switch. Yup. And but ironically, both of these situations, you know, the WWF, AEW, WWE, thing, each one had a victim. You know that. Yeah, that's a fact. WCW and WWF beef, or not beef, but competition the victim with ECW. And in this one, the victim is TNA Impact. Impact now, really does have a great product. And join us in a little minute. We'll be talking about the pay-per-view that happened, Rebellion. But go ahead, it Reverend. Was, it was pretty fire. We're going to throw that out there. But the fans need to stop this shit, for real. It's <coughs> just getting idiotic to this point where you don't even want to go on Facebook and the newly owned Twitter by Elon Musk and Instagram. You don't even want to get on that shit anymore because it's just all types of nasty, toxic hate. Twitter's bad. I'm I'm just sick of this shit. Y'all need to cut that shit out. It's okay to watch both products. It's okay to watch one product. You know, I like it to like... um, like some of the worst fan bases in, in sports, like you got the Dallas Cowboy fan base or the Yankee fan base. You know, that bullshit that happened with them uh, over the weekend. Them dumb son of bitches. Nothing like being in in, in Texas. <laughs> you know, it's okay to enjoy a product and it's okay to not enjoy the competition, but they taking this shit way too far. They're, they're demonizing you for liking one or the other. Right. Just pick what you want, watch it, and you want to watch both like a true wrestling fan would. Because to me, if you're a true wrestling fan, you're going to watch AEW, you're going to watch the WWE, you're probably going to watch Impact, you're going to watch New Japan, New Japan Pro. Yeah, we're, uh, we're the type of family that watches everything. You know, consume all of that good wrestling. I just wanted this shit on everybody else. And Gunner, I, I, I want to, I mean, and Sam Spade, I wanted you to, to comment on what Gunner said, huh? how he tries to like AEW, but the fans run him away. And he's right. I, I hate to say it, but he's right. The fans make that shit sometimes unwatchable. Now, I will say AEW... Some of the stars or some of the talent there, they play into it just to get a reaction sometimes. I will say that. MJF. <laughs> okay, MJF is a special case. I now, want be a, a compilation. He's going to be in the WWE at some point. He's going to be in the WWE at some point. I watched the I watched the compilation of the most the the most savage MJF moments, and this guy. I don't know if he's a character or if it really is him. He, he's out there. That's damn sure. He's out there. I honestly don't know. And that means he's doing his job. That's the point. <laughs> yep. Like, the last person I saw was that kind of heelish shit. Piper. 
maybe Piper. I think MJF might be in a league of his own. He, he just might be. He, he really just might be. But um, he, he's currently one of my favorite heels. Like, I don't like when he's doing award loans, but that heel shit. So you know, I guess. But I mean. As far as his few were Wardlow, I think this might be one of the lower ones on the scale that he's had, but he's still doing what he's supposed to do. He's actually building Wardlow into a viable face that could be a title contender. Yeah, I like the work he's doing with Wardlow. Well, that's also because they're not letting Wardlow actually speak either. You know, that, talked, he talked, he did an interview with Shivani, or as Jericho would call him, Skiavon. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. But yeah, fans have really made it seem like uh, AEW is the pinnacle of wrestling in, in the two years it's been alive. And that's the thing that people have to understand. You can hate WWE, WWF, all that good shit you can hate, but you can't knock the fact that these motherfuckers have been around for over 30 years. Shit. Longer. Shit. 40, 50 years, damn near. Yeah, uh, uh, as they yeah. say, then, now, forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've been doing it, and to be honest, that's the standard. That is the standard. If you're going to compete, you got to be standard or better than them. And I give AEW credit. They are doing some, you know, interesting little concepts and things like that. And WWE, to their, you know, nature, they see some shit they like and they're going to start adopting it. Like, they're going to start doing a ranking system now, which is the dumbest shit ever in sports and wrestling, but that's just me. Well, I think I think they're doing some unique things. I think the win loss record thing is is good, but I hate the fact that it resets in a year. I don't think that actually goes more to the point of why I think it's dumb to even have that in the first place because at the end of the day, it's still scripted. And to be honest with you, uh, I don't really enjoy the win loss record because there are people that have got like twenty five wins and. 15, 16 losses. And that's one of the reasons why I really think you should count losses in pro wrestling because, you know, you look at 16 losses, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, and you would think, why is this person even still around? Why is this person getting near any type of title? Well, you got somebody I mean, yeah. that's 25 and 0. Yeah, well, you got somebody with less losses than you Like have. Tony Nese hasn't lost a match since he's got this manager, and he's still wrestling on dark. Yeah, you know, when you got somebody with less losses than you and everything, you would think, why is one person here and that person there? I mean, prime example, Mr. WrestleMania, the icon, the main event, the showstopper, Shawn Michaels, has more losses at WrestleMania than he had we. But that's why we don't. That's why we don't count them. So we wouldn't exactly. So, so I guess people. So I guess uh, they would hopefully we wouldn't notice. No, I guess I guess it's so you can appreciate the match and not who won it. Yeah, exactly. There's only three, only 
only three records in professional wrestling history, to my knowledge, that should ever, well, four if you actually like this son of a bitch, but four records that should all, the only one that actually matters. Goldberg's, he wasn't the one I was talking about. Um, Yep, Taken. Yeah, Undertaker's um, undefeated in WrestleMania. And Jade Cargill. <laughs> no, I was actually, the one I was talking about, this son of a bitch was actually Hulk Hogan. I think he went like four years without losing the title or some shit. Yeah, without losing the yeah, title. Four years. But yeah. I, I hate I, him, so we're going to say Bruno because he went seven. <laughs> and not to mention Andre Giant went nine years undefeated. 15. It was 15. 15? Yeah, it was 15. I, I thought it was less than that because it was quite a few times he lost over in Japan. No, he hadn't, he hadn't lost a match in 15 years. So, that's why I think records as a whole in professional wrestling is done. It, it just makes no sense. Why are you keeping track of somebody who went lost record when it's scripted? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I understand that. See, that's the part that gets me. If it's if it's already predetermined, you can't keep track of a win-loss. And, and like, I, when they do that with boxing or the UFC or something, you know, you're not fighting every week. Exactly. You, know, you have, like, what is it, 30, maybe 40 no. fights on a record if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, almost not, almost yeah. full records. Like, you get a fight. If you're lucky... As a fighter, you'll get a fight three times a year, yeah. if you're lucky. Champions only fight maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that their wins and losses, they don't stack up like they would in pro wrestling. This is why I like Pancrease, or at least the idea of Pancrease, but that didn't last very long. Yeah, but see, Pancrease was, was a different ball game. That was three fights in one night. Well, no, I was, no, I'm referring to the fact that um, Pancreas is essentially non-scripted, like, shoot wrestling. Yeah, it, I mean, that's, that's MMA for you, pretty much. Only thing you can't do is pile drive somebody, which I've seen someone do, too. Well, it wasn't really a pile driver. It was more like a, a neutralizer like Cesaro does. So amazing. The one one and only time it's been done. Caught him caught him with that good old Boston crab. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up right here. And uh we'll be we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back with uh the segment about rebellion. So we'll take a quick break and uh, stay tuned and join us. We're going to talk about the pay-per-view rebellion. We'll be right back. Welcome back, guys. It's your boy Art Dog and your boy MJ Gunner. Still here with Sam Spade. We're going to jump into this where we talk about the pay-per-view rebellion that Impact had yesterday. Okay, Gunner, start us off with the pre-show because I did see Eddie Edwards against Chris Bay. Chris Bay, which Chris Bay is in Bullet Club. The Bullet Club now. Yeah, it makes sense because uh, 
Eddie Edwards and uh, his faction uh, with his faction Honor, Honor no, more. no More. They be getting into it with the Bullet Club. You know, they had a eight-man tag last week on Impact. And so, you know, it makes sense. It was supposed to be Eddie Edwards and Jonathan Gresham. But uh, where it is, Jonathan Gresham uh, got injured on his uh, match for the ROH title with Dalton Castle. See, yeah, I was sad about that. Yeah, I did I see the match forward. that he had with Dalton Castle, though. I was looking forward to Eddie Edwards and Jonathan Gresham for ROH title. But, you know, as they say, the car is subject to change. It was a pretty stellar match between uh, Eddie Edwards and Chris Bay. You know, Bay showed out. Like, I knew he would. Yeah, really good showing for him. Yeah, it was pretty good. I had watched that match, and uh, uh, my guy, Eddie Edwards, came out with the win. He uses, uh, he didn't use the Boston Knee Party. It was a, it's a, it's a Michinoku driver, I think it is. It's some type of... It's some type of emerald fusion. Cross leg emerald. Yeah, like a cross leg emerald fusion. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy slam right there that he used to win. Yeah, and then the other match on the pre-show was for the uh, knockouts tag team titles, uh, the influence, uh, Madison Rain and uh, Tennille Dashwood, and the inspiration, uh, Justin McKay and Cassie Lee. Big fan of uh everybody in this match, you know, so I enjoyed it either way. See, me not so much, bruh. I don't think that the Iconics belong in Impact. Everybody's so hype about it, and everybody's so, like, up in arms about, like, the Iconics showing up. But to me, they just fit in WWE a lot better. I mean, I did enjoy their WWE run more, but I'm enjoying their, uh, their run in Impact. Truth be told, I was just looking for them to get uh, at least one ring with the knockoffs tag team titles, which they did. They did. So I wouldn't be too upset if they went somewhere else. I wouldn't be uh, upset if they stayed at Impact. You know, like I said, as long as I can follow them, I- I'm good. This is my issue with the iconic inspiration, whatever you want to call it. I would, I would have to ask y'all to use the proper title. The inspiration. Days, which is the inspiration. I mean, when they were the WWE, they didn't have momentum. Then they won the titles from Sasha Banks and Bailey. By the way, come back, Bailey. Shit, we need you. We do. But, I don't um, know, Bailey. But um, you know, and then they beat them. Then they start gaining momentum, and then they let them go. Yeah. No, the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. See, my thing with them is, my thing with them is, I feel like WWE just highlighted them a lot better because they focused on Peyton Royce wrestling and focused on uh, Billy Kay's promo skills. And they both have those in spades, you know what I'm saying? Even when they split them up and... They were just doing the, you know, Billy Kay was running around trying to get in everybody's group or tag team. Like, that was fun. That's so memorable. But at the same time, like, Peyton Royce's matches in NXT was crazy. That's when I figured out how good they really were. And I just. Yeah, see, that too. See, Emma's part of the. The the influence. Uh, the influence that's Tennille Dashwood. Her and Madison Rain won the title. They they beat uh, the inspiration for the titles, 
and now they were defending yesterday. So I just feel like the the Iconics had more memorable moments than the Inspiration. But I guess it happens over time. Mm-hmm. You have to give them time as the Inspiration to get used to them being that. I mean, the song's dope. I like the yeah. song. I, I tell you this, though. If they make a Oh, come on. Don't even put that in the air. There's not even a women's tag team titles in AEW. Why would we want that? Why would we want that? If anything, I'd like to see him go They're to AEW. definitely going to get... But see, the whole, the only the only saving grace I would say about going to AEW is they have a lackluster women's division as it is. They don't have a whole lot of great women there, so they could use some names, but they're just going to feed them to Britt Baker and Jade Cargill. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't either. Tony Storm's already been fed over there. Yeah. Huh? Has Britt Baker been on TV since she lost the title? Yes, she's been on TV. I mean, she's going to be in the Owen Hart tournament. tournament. Let's get into this pay-per-view, which was absolutely fire. It was really good. It was really good. All right. right, What were some of your your favorite moments, Art? I don't... You know my favorite moment, and I don't want to talk about it right off the bat. You know what I'm saying? So I'll jump into one of the moments that actually was pretty surprising for me, Mm -hmm. which was the Jonah versus Ishii match. I didn't find that to be surprising, you I uh, it was it is it was what I expected it to be, and that being a knockdown drag out brawl. See, I wasn't even expecting to like it. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting Jonah to lose. Yeah, to be honest with you, you know, it, it was good storytelling the whole match, you know, the whole match Ishii's trying to get him up for the brain for the brain buster and it's just not happening. And that was what I was and like. Just, and yeah. then at the end he gets him up there and, and brain busters this ish out of this man. Yeah. But Impact's definitely been doing a good job of Jonah. You know, this is only his second second loss since coming to Impact, I believe. Uh, now over with Josh Alexander, you know, they've been doing a good job of building him up. So this is definitely a pretty big, big uh, win for Ishii. Yeah. The biggest and win I've seen him have over here since his, uh, uh, his, since his tour of uh, North America started. Exactly. Because he lost to Samoa Joe. He loses yeah. to and Adam Cole. He lost to Eddie, lost Edwards. To Eddie Edwards. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that Ishii's getting some type of recognition over yeah, here because AEW ain't giving it to him. Yeah. And everybody's so hype about this AEW New Japan crossover mm-hmm. and I don't like it because Tony Khan doesn't like his wrestlers to lose. That's true. When he sent Kenny Omega to every company, Kenny Omega didn't have a, a loss in any company. And then he, the TNA belt changes hands to a person that's not even contracted under impact. Don't get me started. We will be here all night. Don't do it to me, Art. It's just the point. Yeah. I'm just saying. Let's look at the real side of this crossover. That everyone's talking about. And since we're talking about uh, titles not changing hands and their companies, 
I think that brings us to our next point. Uh, Diana Perazzo and Ty Valkyrie for the AAA Reynos, the Reynos, uh Championship. This is one of the ones that I was looking forward to the most. Shocking. Big fan of both of these two women. I mean, I'm glad to see Taya Valkyrie back in uh, AAA because that Frankie Monet run was ass. I think that this is where Taya thrives. This is where Taya does the best. You know, she does uh, use the Lucha Libre style and everything. I think this is where she, she does her best work. And she did wind up beating Deanna Prazo for the AAA. Uh, Shots. I, was, Durano, so I set, set up out of my seat like, what? I mean, oh. I'm kind of sad to see the Champ Champ Challenge end, but I can't say it's a bad move on Impact's part. It yeah. had to end sometime. And Ty Valkyrie <laughs> is Lucha Daughter royalty. So, her losing that title to her makes the most sense to me. It does. I was just shocked at watching Deanna Perazzo lose. Yeah. Yeah, that was shocking to me. But it does make the most sense because she is a AAA employee. Mm -hmm. You know, she's contracted under AAA. The fact that Impact did let Deanna Perazzo lose that title on TV, you know what I'm saying? It'll get more eyes for Taya Valkyrie in AAA. I think it's a good thing. And, you know, it's a full circle with Deanna Perazzo sending Taya Valkyrie out of Mm -hmm. Impact and her coming back in, taking the title title back of her. Yeah, that's definitely true. So that was dope. Right, since we're talking about women's matches, uh, let's get into the Knockouts Women's World Title match. My girl Tasha Steels, baby. Tasha Steels and Rosemary. Man, Tasha Steels came out dressed as Scar from The Lion King. <laughs> so dope. It was great. Uh, this was another one that I was looking forward to. Really big fan of uh, Tasha Steels. And everything, and I, I'm glad that Impact is running with her. I remember saying this on this show like a while back that uh, I believe that Tasha Steeles could have uh, could hold the Knockouts title, you know, with Savannah Evans behind her, and she's one of the people that Deanna Prado didn't beat. So, you know, there's that, and I'm glad that she's getting this this good run, you know, after winning the first Women's Ultimate X match and Hard to Kill. Yeah. And I just, I'm just Mickey mad James. that the Ultimate X didn't get her the title because it would have made it seem that much more important to win that match. It's like it's like Money in the Bank or any other Ultimate X that people win. Most of the time, when they cash it in, especially for the first time, it always goes over well. Yeah, I think that's the only thing. Well, it's not a briefcase or something, all right? No, I'm saying the X was a champion. It's the same way Moose did, cashed in his. Well, that, that's, that's different, though. That's to call your shot. But he called it. Yeah, he did. She was able to call hers. Yeah. You know? I I mean, Sam Spade, don't you think that anytime they introduce a new cash-in method, it should always go well the first time? I mean, that whole point... But then again, got to remember, you know, they got this dumbass wrestling logic where they think they know what they do at the time and they don't do the one thing that generally guarantees you success 90% of the time and that's listen to the fans. After all, we're the one paying their salary, so. I mean, I'm just glad that the push is happening. I'm not too upset it didn't happen on her first try. Because she didn't really lose momentum from that. And she did get it right back at the next one. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I'm still sad that it was Mickey James that took it off Deanna Perazzo with such a long run. Uh, but I'm, I'm finally starting to heal from that. Don't bring up old wounds. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. All right, let's go into the tag team elimination match that they had. It was eight teams, mm-hmm. and three teams were surprises. Mm-hmm. And the three surprise teams, two of them started it off. The first team were the major players coming back into play. Loving the major brothers. Them. Everybody might know them as Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, but we know them as Matt Cardona and Brian, and Brian Myers. Myers. Loving them. Matt Cardona, in my opinion, could literally do no wrong right now. And They were to led to the them. ring by Chelsea Green, right. too. Chelsea, Chelsea Green's with them. And to see them get back together, they're just such a great team. You know, I enjoyed their feud that they had last year, but I've said it before. I'd rather see a great team team together than see Fight them each face other. each other. Because they always, WWE has a problem with breaking up teams, oh. and especially when they're good with mm-hmm. each other. They did it with the Hardys. Mm-hmm. They did it with, I mean, everybody. We're not even going to get into the team they did right. it with. But to yeah, see, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, but to see like them back together, it makes more sense. Right, right. And they did their heel work. The second team that came in was uh, W. Morrissey and Jordan Grace. Yeah, uh, Jordan Grace and W. Morrissey, they both had their, their run-ins with uh, the major players. Uh, w. Morrissey was in the ring like a few weeks ago on Impact. They were at, they were at the, the Philadelphia... Uh, 2300 arena, I think yeah. it is. W.C. W. Morrissey cuts this great promo about how he's doing so well now, yep. and he's he's in a better place. And, and he is. And the last is. time he was in this arena, you know, he was in really bad shape, and yeah. he's back now. I'm glad to see yeah. that he is doing as well as he is because yeah, Big Cass had a lot of problems. Yeah, I'm glad to see him on on the, the right track, and exactly. he's doing well health wise. Mentally and physically. Yep. But anyway, uh, Brian Myers comes out there and he starts talking trash to him. And the for weeks now, W. Morris has been trying to put Brian Myers through a table. You know, but Brian Myers always escapes it. And then this week, you know, they got the table set up. But then Chelsea Green comes out there and distracts him. And then Matt Cardona blindsides him. And they put W. Morrissey through the table, and that's how the major players were born. And Jordan Grace had problems with Matt Cardona ever since he took the digital media title from her. And I want to give props to people like Jordan Grace and Tessa Blanchard for changing my mind about men versus women when it comes to wrestling. Because Jordan Grace has made it believable for me. She's bigger than half the guys. You know what I'm saying? She picks them up with ease. Like, Jordan Grace is... I mean, I don't want to be brash by saying this, but she is as close to China as it gets. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But, you know, Jordan Grace, uh, I've said this on the show before, she was a good uh, candidate for first ever digital media championship uh, champion because it is an intergender title. Yep. And she could kind of get us used to seeing men and women fight each other because she looks like she could take just about anybody, man or woman. Yep. And like I said, she was a great choice for the first champion. Uh, and Matt Cardona <laughs> did her dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cardona did her dirty. 
Anyway, the major players, they go over W. Morrissey and Jordan Grace. Yep, they put Chelsea Green through the table. Yeah, and then after the match, uh, Chelsea Green starts slapping W. Morrissey. And then tries to get away, but then Jordan Grace grabs her. And then W. Morrissey power bombs her through a table. Man, I was, that was crazy to me. I did not think that she, that she was going to take that. And she took every piece of it. Sam Spade's got a call over there. <laughs> like I said, she took every piece of it, you know, and then the Good Brothers music hits, and Matt Cardona and Brian Myers are more concerned with uh, Chelsea, Chelsea Green, Green being... and helping her, and they get magic killers, one, two, three, out yep. they go. The next team was uh, Johnny, Swan. Swinger and, yeah, Johnny Swinger uh, and Ziggy Dice. You know, they're out. You know, it was pretty it, much pretty a squash quick. match. That was a squash Magic match. Killer, one, two, three. Uh, the first real tag team wrestling match was between Rich Swan and uh, Willie and Mack, Mack and the Good Brothers. Yeah. Now, they went out there. They had a good one. Uh, the, the, the Good, good Brothers, Brothers go over them. Magic Killer, everybody. And then uh, I Don't Know More's music plays. And surprisingly... Vincent and Kenny King, they come down the ramp with Maria, with, uh, Maria Canellas. But uh, the the official team in this match is Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. And they come out and attack them from behind. Yeah. Get the jump on them boys and eliminate the Good Brothers. Yeah, the Good Brothers are out. And out come Heath Slater and Rhino. They have a tag match, which was also a good one. And they uh, eliminate them with the gore. Mm-hmm. Rhino catches them in the middle of them trying to do the backpack stunner. That backpack stunner knee is sick, man. Yeah. I love that move. But, but yeah, he gets gored out of his boots trying to go for it. And out comes Violet by Design, number that eight. That last Tag team. champs. And they retain going over Rhino yeah. and Heath Slater. Like, I think it would have been better for him if the championship team would have been in earlier. It would have proven more of a point with them being stronger. Yeah, I think so too. You know, I like Violent by Design, but I definitely think that they should have been in there a little earlier to, you know, kind of knock off some of these tag teams. I mean, to, but to be fair though, they have beaten most of these tag teams before. But, you know, just to uh, make it seem a little better for this match, you know, they I feel like they should have came in a little earlier. And uh, I just wanted to give props to Eric Young on his resurgence, too. Yeah. Because WWE does have a bad habit of trying to downplay someone before they leave. They, yeah. they, they're really good at making you seem crappy before you leave. And certain people get out and certain people don't. You Lucky for Eric Young, he came back home to Impact where he is a Hall of Famer and a big name. Yeah. And you know, this, was, this was some place where Eric Young could definitely, you know, bounce back and get back on the momentum side. And he definitely did that. Uh, another match that happened on uh, the Rebellion card was Steve Macklin, uh, Jay White, and Chris Saban dope. in a triple threat match. Great match. That was a Really dope loved match. it all the way around. I'm also really happy with the winner. That'd be Steve Macklin. In my opinion, this is the biggest win of his career and impact. Yep. You know, Chris Saban goes for the cradle shock on Jay White, and then Macklin slides in 
through the back door, rolls him up, one, two, three. And it kills me that the that on commentary he yells, Macklin steals it. And I'm like, what? I mean, technically he did kind that, of steal it, Art. You I can't mean, steal a win but he in wasn't a triple threat. At him, though. He, wasn't, he wasn't paying attention to him. Chris Saban thought he had the match. That's how you get the win. You cannot. Well, that's how we get the win when we play games with the triple threat matches. But you that's cannot how everybody steal does a win in a triple threat match. From a guy who's in the triple threat match. Not everybody does it like we do. <laughs> My God. That that threw me for a loop. He's like, Macklin stole one. And I'm like, stole? He's in the he match. Steal it, though. You know, he came in sneakily and rolled them up. What does everybody say in triple threat? You got to have eyes in your back of your head. Where was Chris Saban's eyes? Focus on Jay White <laughs> after hitting the, the cradle shot. <laughs> you cannot steal a win in a triple threat if you're in it. Uh, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. There ain't even no DQ in a triple threat. <laughs> I'd, I'd have felt differently if he'd have hit him with a chair and be like, oh, he stole it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he might have stole it because he used it. It was sneakily. That's what he meant. That's probably no. what he That's probably what he should have well, said. It was, it was a sneaky way to get the win, and it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you could consider that to be stolen. You nah, could. That wasn't stolen, you man. You could. Macklin, that was a clean win, baby. <laughs> we got one under our belt. Let's go. You but, hear me? Uh, but uh, another match that happened on this card was really great, by the way. The X Division triple threat match. That's my favorite match. Trey Miguel, Austin, Ace, Ace Austin, Austin, and Speedball Mike Bailey. Oh, my God. That match was in. Incredible, dude. I really liked it. I really did. Oh, my God. This speedball kid. I like speedball Mike Bailey. He started Jesus. to grow on me. That finisher is insane. Yeah. That shooting star double knees. Yeah, that's Oh, crazy. my God. That's crazy. And he hit it a couple times yeah, in the match, did. too. Like, they were going for this roll-up pin, and my dude does a backflip into the knees on his chest. It just reminds me of Ong Bak, and I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. He's got this style that's like, it's it's crazy. And, and my guy, Ace Austin, Gunner has been saying it forever. It's like, true. Ace Austin is everything the X Division is about. I mean, he is. And he's definitely, in my opinion, the perfect candidate for an X Division champion. He's young. He's flashy. He's exciting. It's everything the X Division should be. And Trey Miguel, young, flashy, exciting. Yeah. Same thing. You know what I'm saying? Both of them, all three of these guys are great picks for the X Division. And this feels like, I mean, it. that was, that was incredible. Dude. It was a great match. But uh, to be honest with you... I kind of miss the variety that Josh Alexander brought to the X Division. You know, he the just technical a different wrestling. Style. And the, the, the variety that Steve Macklin brought to the X Division. You know, the brawler technical style. Yeah, the style. Gr- ground and pound brawler, yeah. beat him up, take him down style. I mean, I love but see, that's what we loved about like Samoa Joe. Yeah. He was bigger and he had this brawler. Yeah, beat not him everybody's up. the same. Exactly. You know, not everybody's a high flyer, but. You can't say that you don't love when three high flyers go at it. I do. I love that Because match. we remember matches where Petey Williams, Chris mm-hmm. Saban, and AJ Styles. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those types of matches. This is definitely X Division at its best. Yeah, I was just saying, bro. I kind of miss that, the variety. Just a little. Man, that fast pace just... Go get them. This, this is the kind of style that got me in love with wrestling. I'm I love the high-flying, fast-paced style. 
I'm saying it's all in what I guess what you prefer because mm-hmm. that right there showed me that the X Division is alive and well it is. and was left in great hands. It definitely is. Yeah. I I think we've covered every match but the main event. Uh, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. We had three title changes, right? And yeah. Ace Austin, Ty Valkyrie. Yep. In the main event. In the main event. Which was, I mean, this had a big fight feel to it from the entrances. It did. So, just watching them come down to that ring, it just got me so amped. It man. Did. I was ready it to really go. It did. Because Josh Alexander came out. His son had his gear on next mm-hmm. to him. He come out. He fixed his headset. The kid comes out, fixes his headset. They come out, do the same thing at the ring ropes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, this, this. Then the lights go out. And Moose music hit. Man, Moose, Moose got such a championship entrance. He does. He really does. This guy, I fucking love Moose, dude. Uh, okay, can I, I'm going to get in here. I'm going to ramble on for a little bit. But it don't make sense, though. Like, in my opinion, this was storytelling at its best. The whole feud... All the way through it, and I applaud Impact Wrestling for it. It all started back at Bound for Glory when Josh Alexander got his ring, got his moment in the sun, and then it gets ripped away from him by Moose. Right? And he finally won the title, won the Impact World title from Christian, made Christian tap out, and he's in the ring celebrating with his family, and then. After two minutes of having that title, Moose comes out, cashes in his Call Your Shot trophy, and spears Josh Alexander while his wife and kid is still in the ring and wins the title. And Moose had the title ever since for six months. And they did something that it's extremely hard to do. They found a way to keep Josh Alexander hot for six months. That would have been that is the hardest thing that they've had to do because and it's keep so, him away from the so title. easy for him to have lost momentum and then it, it wouldn't have worked. We wouldn't have really cared whether he got his rematch or not. But they kept it going with he was pretty much the gatekeeper of Impact Wrestling over the last few months. Anybody wanted to get through anybody wanted to get into Impact, they had to come through him <coughs> first. Why so, did it be Jonah? Why there would be Charlie Hodge, Big Con, Minoru Suzuki. The, the list just goes on and on and on. And the whole time, Josh Alexander is it's starting to become a, a little bit more unhinged as the time goes by. He's starting, to, he's starting to lash out. He's starting to get more angry. He's starting to put his hands on officials. Yeah, he put his hands on a ref. He put his hands on, on Scott, Scott Demore. And then Scott Demore sends him home. He says, if you, and then Josh Alexander tweets like, my contract is up soon. Right, and then I just, swear to God, it just broke my heart because I thought he was leaving. And then they just brought it all the way back from where I was down in the dumps, all the way back to to on high on the mountaintop when Josh Alexander uh, attacks Moose at the end of Sacrifice and pulls out the contract. And pulls out the, his newly signed contract and his newly and his uh, contract for, for the, the world, world title, title match shot. at a rebellion. As just it was just great. And then Moose figures, 
I know I can't beat them in the ring, so I'm going to piss them off and make them make mistakes. So he starts attacking his family. Mm -hmm. He speared the socks out of Josh Alexander's wife. He He speared the high heels off of her. In the middle, I mean, I didn't even see that coming. And he's like, I don't care. I ain't got no conscience, bruh. I know what I'm doing. He starts making, he shows up at Alexander's house, Mm -hmm. gives his kid a message to send Mm -hmm. to Alexander. And now Josh is lashing out at everybody. He's tripping out. Come to pay-per-view, everybody's coming up to him like, keep your cool. Keep you cool, and you can beat them. We know you can beat them, but if you get mad, you're going to get disqualified, make a mistake, you're going to do something. When they get in the ring and the bell ring, Moose stand there and wait for Josh to run at him, and Josh was finna run at him, and then stopped. And was like, I know you can't beat me for real. I know what I'm doing now. And he starts making Moose mad. Like, this storytelling in this match was, was top-notch. It was perfect. It really was top-notch. And it got to a point where Moose started getting mad every mistake that he made. He made it to the point where he would get in Josh Alexander's wife's face to make him upset. Josh started losing his cool. Then he brought it back. I mean, and then he started hitting them with those C4s. Boy, that C4 spiked him. Spiked his ass. Moose kicked out, picked him back up, and spiked him again. Also, what I really loved about this match is it's it both wrestlers pretty much did their did their job. You wanted to see Josh Alexander win the world title. You wanted to see Moose get the shit kicked out of him for all the stuff he's done. Like that is so rare these days to where a heel be is, a heel, and a face right. could be a face. And the face is, is just universally loved, and the heel is universally hated. You know, it's just really rare these days in pro wrestling, at least to me anyways. And Josh Alexander, he gets the win, and he's he celebrating with his wife and his kids. And it, was, it was just great. That was a big payoff, yeah. and it was, it was worth it. The months of absolutely, it was slow cooked, man. That's the stuff that I love, man. That's the long term stuff that I'm talking about. Oh, when, I, <laughs> when I start talking about he this gets, stuff, he gets so hyped when he talk about, about these man. matches because that match really was great. I mean, the X Division match was my favorite match of the night, but this right here, mm-hmm. this really was a great story, a great match, a great payoff. This was like WrestleMania. If they do this right, they could have a megastar for Impact for years with Josh Alexander. Like I'm talking Samoa Joe big. I'm talking Christopher Daniels big. I'm talking maybe even AJ, AJ Styles, Styles big. Like this is this is the kind of run that I'm expecting to see out of Josh Alexander. I cannot wait. But you gotta say. Like Sam Spade and you always say, a great champion is nothing without a great opponent. This ain't over between him and Moose. This is not over. And even when it is over, there's still a half a dozen people, even more than that, on that roster that I can see them having great matches with. Great stories, great feuds. I'm excited, man. It. <laughs> if you try Impact Wrestling and you don't like Impact Wrestling, that's one thing. 
But but if you're avoiding it because it gets a it gets a, got a bad rep over the last few years, you're you're missing out. You're, you're missing really. out, and you need to go ahead and, and just give things a try before you just write them off. Because Impact Wrestling, in my opinion, is firing on all cylinders right now. They have been for I a minute. Love it. They have been for. They a minute. have been. I started watching it back, and I think it was. March 2021. Uh, Sacrifice last year was my first uh, special back with Impact. I loved it then, and I got to see so much. I got to see Kenny Omega's run with the Impact title. I got to see Josh Alexander rise to the top. I got to see Deanna Pronto rise to the top. They're doing a thing, man. Y'all need to get on board. <laughs> Gunner is not having it no more. Y'all need it's, to get on it's board. three things that you is not finna tell him no more. You're not finna tell him that Impact sucks. Yeah, it's not finna tell him that Edge is not the greatest of all time. True. And you're not gonna sit here and tell him that Charlotte Flair is the greatest woman wrestler of all time. Amen to that. <laughs> These are the three things that I live by these days. And I won't hear any differently. He don't want to hear it no more. He's sick of the shit and he's tired of you guys. But, but Rebellion was just great from top to bottom, in my opinion. Really loved it. Look, look at it this way, y'all. I YouTube but a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at it this way. If you're a true wrestling fan, you're going to, if you can, go to your local indie show. You can look at Impact as a nationally known indie show. Fucking support it. Well, we're trying to hit two indie shows. We're going to see what we can do about that. Because Warrior Wrestling's coming to St. Louis, and I cannot wait. And it's also going to be an, uh, another one in Collinsville. I think it's versus The World that's this yep. weekend. We're trying to get to that one, so... Yeah. Pray for you, boys. Like St. Louis, they got a couple good events coming. St. Louis has always been a wrestling town, and we are it has been. We are on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but yeah, shout man, out we that was my homeboy LJ Lawrence out here clowning on the indie circuit, whacking up belts. That's what's up. Great. Shout out to LMC out there doing his thing. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I like that one. Shout out to uh, uh, what was his name, Chris? Yeah, he, right we said he was Espinosa, Brian Brandon, Espe- Brandon Espinosa. Espinosa. Haven't seen him in a while. Espy. Espy. I haven't seen him since the ML, since the MMWA days. Man, he was he was. I really liked him though. Slick with it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's all we got for today, man. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Thanks, Sam Spade. Sam's, thank you for being here. Absolutely. And uh, we uh, thank you guys for listening to the Sons of Legends. We will be back next week with another episode and plenty more of this Gearing roller coaster ride. WrestleMania backlash. Yeah. WrestleMania backlash. We'd be here for another hour and a half if we got into that. <laughs> oh, why the fuck did they have WrestleMania backlash? That's what I'm saying. It's taking away... From the WrestleMania title, man. WrestleMania Monday, WrestleMania Friday, WrestleMania two nights, WrestleMania, WrestleMania Backlash. What happened once a year? If they want to call it, they want to use Backlash like that. 
If they want to use backlash like that, instead of doing a pay per view, they should just say Monday Night Raw or Backlash or WrestleMania. But at least it's better than Great Balls of Fire. Barely better than Great Balls of Fire, in my opinion. At least that's not running down the the name of WrestleMania. I was saying goodbye to the people, you guys. <laughs> Thank Sorry. you guys for listening to the Sons of Legends. We'll see you guys next week. Get fired up! <laughs> Peace out. <laughs>